Well, good morning, Harvest Muskoka, Harvest Perry Sound. Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five is gonna be this morning. If you don't have a Bible on you this morning, if you forgot your Bible, didn't bring a Bible, we have ushers who would love to get a Bible into your hand. If you put your hand up, they have Bibles they'd love to get to you. If you don't own a Bible, for sure, get your hand up and take one of these home as our gift to you. But grab a copy of God's word, whether the one you have or, or the one you're grabbing right now from the ushers and turn to Galatians chapter five. We're gonna be starting in verse 16 as we continue on in this series through the book of Galatians called Freedom. I think I may have told this story before, but there was a, my, my brother Chad and I, we, we went to school at my first year of college. We were in Nashville at Nashville Bible College and we we're going to school there. And one of the people that we went to school with, her name was Donna. And Donna had been blind since birth, had never seen a day of her life. And, and because of her blindness, she had this, this unique way of, of using her, her other senses to be so aware of her surroundings. Now, she wasn't daredevil or anything like that, but, but very close, all right? Just this real cool way. And so she would do things all the time that would freak us out and make me always joke, Donna, you can actually see. You're totally faking. But the, the craziest thing she ever did I was standing in the hallway of school in between class talking to her as my brother Chad was walking down the hall. He wasn't saying anything. He's walking by himself. He wasn't gonna say hi. He was gonna walk right by us as we were talking. And as he walks by, Donna says, hi, Chad. I'm like, what? How did you do that? She goes, well, you, you can actually tell who people are by the way that they walk. Because you can just, you can just hear, and she says, well, your, your brother Chad, when he walks, he walks in a particular way. He walks with very purposeful steps, very driven steps. I'm like, that is so cool. So I ask, how do I walk? And, and she's like, kind of sloppy. I'm like, oh, <laughs> thanks, Donna. And no, I didn't do that, but. <laughs> she could tell who you were by your walk. And that's just not Donna. And it's just, it's just not just how you walk physically. Listen, people can tell who you are by the way that you walk, by how your life is lived out. This idea of how we walk, it's all through scripture. We, we would call it our, our, the, the way we live or our lifestyle. And scripture says that the way you walk, people will see who you are. Ephesians 4.1 says that Christians are to walk worthy of our calling. So if you're here this morning and you're, you're a follower of Christ, Scripture says, hey, because you're a follower of Christ, walk according to the fact that you're a follower of Christ. Our life should match who we are. If you see a police officer in uniform, you expect them to act in a certain way. If you show up on the job site as a builder, you're expected to act in a certain way. If you're a student in class, you're expected to act in a certain way. Walk according to your calling. If you're a child of the king, if you're a servant of Christ, if you're a Christ follower, there's a certain way that we're to walk you're taking notes this morning, our first point is this, walk like a follower of Jesus. Walk like a follower of Jesus. Now, the Bible uses this idea of our walk a lot so we can find out, reading through scripture, well, what's my walk supposed to look like? Ephesians 4.2 says, walk humbly. Romans 13.13 13 says, walk in purity. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, walk in faith. So, so have an eye on eternal things, not just the here and now, but walk in faith. Ephesians 2, 10 says, walk in good works. Ephesians 4, 17 says that, that those who know Christ should walk in a way that's different than those who don't know Christ. 
Your life should stand out. You know, just this week, I was, there was this person I was hearing speak, and he was a, a guy ministering to Muslims. He runs a ministry called the Crescent Ministry. He's from Lebanon, and, and he's working with Muslims around the world. And he says, right now, in our time, more Muslims are coming to faith in Christ than ever before in the history of the world. And he says, the number one reason why they do, number one reason, there are a lot of things that are going on and why people come to Christ. Number one reason for Muslims leaving Islam to follow Christ is because they met a Christian. Number one reason, they say, I, I met somebody who's a follower of Christ and men, they just lived differently. They lived out their life in a way that showed love and forgiveness like I've never seen before. There was a passion in them that I, I'd never seen in anybody else. We should look different and walk different. Ephesians 5, 2, walk in love, be self-sacrificing. Ephesians 5, 13 says, walk carefully. So if, if you're a follower of Christ, you don't just walk like a, a leaf blowing in the wind, but there's a purpose for your walk. You're on a mission. You have a, a reason for your life. Third, the third John verse three says, walk, walk in truth. If you're like me, you're like, okay, those are all good. I, I get the, the concept of, of how to walk, but I need an example. Can you, can you maybe put some handles on this? Let me see this lived out. How, how does this look in real life? And Paul, in the, his letter to the Galatians, remember what he said early on in chapter two, he says, hey, walk like I walk, follow me. He said in Philippians, he said, walk in a way as you see me and others like me walking. So, okay, that sounds pretty easy. Our life should look like the Paul and the other apostles. <laughs> That's a pretty high standard. You, you catch that? So I have to walk like Paul. Well, 1 John 2, 6 takes it to an even higher standard. It says, if you abide in Christ, if you're a Christ follower, walk in the same way Jesus walked. All right, that seems pretty easy. Just be like Jesus. I could do that. No, I can't. It's impossible, right? And, and that's true. We can't do that. But here's where Galatians 5.16 comes in. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. In other words, walk in step with God who's moving in you. Walk in the power, in his leading. And as you do that, as you walk with the Spirit in you, you will look more like Jesus. And Paul's been hammering all the way through Galatians. You, you can't do this. You can't live this life. You can't live like Jesus through self-effort. You can't get there by being more religious. You need an inside change. So you, you, you can't gain salvation by works and you can't live out your salva salvation by works. It's only by the grace of God. You, you need God at work in you. And when, when God works and walks in you, he says, you don't need these rituals anymore. You don't need these out, outward laws and, and do this and do that. No, because now instead of rituals, you have God living in you. And Paul spent five whole chapters pounding this truth out. You were saved by God. It was all God's work. It's all grace, all grace, all grace. And now he says, why do you think now you can walk on your own without God's grace? It's all grace. You, you, you've been set free by God. Don't be fooled into a, a legalistic way of thinking like, like God's keeping score and you've got a scorecard and you're gonna show up in heaven and go, boy, I hope my scorecard matches God's scorecard and I'm okay and, and he accepts me. That's not how it works. It's, Paul says if you live that way, it's a crazy way to live. 
He says, you're foolish to live that way. It's not do more to impress God. Paul's saying, listen, if that was what the case was, then why would Jesus have come? Why wouldn't God have just told us to be good? I mean, if, if church attendance, if following a list of religious rules, if, if giving 10%, if that's what makes you holy, then Paul says Christ died in vain. God poured out his wrath on Jesus for no reason. Now, is, is church attendance good? Yeah, I think it's crucial to walk out this Christian life and the freedom that we've got. Is, is giving good? Yeah, but if you're caught, here's, here's what Paul's saying. If you're caught up in this kind of rule, like, well, I think the Old Testament says I should give 10%. So, so if I give 10%, then God's gonna look down on me and he's gonna go, well, all right, check off Bill and Martha. They're giving 10%. They're good. That's not life under grace. That's not walking in freedom. That, that's law. It's not some 10% giving rule. Listen, the gospel should compel some of us to give 50%. Some less. The number's not the point. The point is, listen, you walk by freedom in the spirit, by the spirit. It's responding to God's spirit inside you. It's, it's God's spirit in you that's empowering that sacrificial giving. It's God's spirit inside you that's empowering you to, to love. It's God's spirit inside you that's empowering you to forgive those who hurt you. It's God's spirit inside you that's giving you victory over those addictions. It's giving you the courage to speak for Christ. <clears throat> it's God's spirit inside you that's, that's giving you that sacrificial love for your spouse where you love your spouse because Christ loved me, not because I'm getting something from them, I'm, to, to just love my spouse for what I get. Man, you can do that in the flesh, but to, to love them sacrificially, that's the spirit of God at work. To, to love your kids, that's the spirit of God at work. And Paul's been saying, listen, religion doesn't do that. The law can't empower that kind of living. Now, he's saying this, and the religious folk, they come into the church in Galatia, and they're going, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Paul. You can't start preaching this whole freedom thing. You can't take away the law. You can't remove the religious rituals because that's the only thing holding back sin. That's the dam stopping sin from rushing into our lives. You can't take that away. If you do that, people will just start pursuing sin. There's nothing to stop us from sinning. And Paul says, are you kidding me? The restraint... Again, sin has gone internal. He says, you want these little religious rules and you think that's gonna be a great dam to stop sin from coming to your life. I'm telling you, forget the outward. I, I'm promising you that the living God can be in you. And his Holy Spirit will do a way better job than the law ever could do. I mean, at that moment, listen, at that moment you trusted in Christ, his perfect life lived on your behalf, his death in your place, his resurrection where he conquered sin and death. At that moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life and he became your resource. He became your power for your life. And now I can walk in the power of the Spirit, the indwelling Spirit who enables me to do things that I couldn't force myself to do no matter how good the outward rules were. 
And Paul's saying, listen, that, that's the freedom you have in Christ, that, that having Christ in you is so much better at producing holiness than a whole bunch of outward rules. Now, why is that? It's because we needed an inward change. The rules didn't work. Our hearts were where the problem was. Listen, if you have parents, you know this to be true. We're not given the job to just shelter our kids as best we can. Don't let the world get in. Let's huddle them up. Let's hide them up. Let's, let's, listen, you could live out the very best little house in the prairie lifestyle you're trying to create, and yet if you don't work on the heart of your kid, your kid's not gonna change. Why? Because the problem of sin isn't somewhere out there. It's in here. We press in on a heart change. We all need that heart change. We need the Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts. Now as Christians, what are we called to? We're called to walk by the Spirit, it says here. If you're taking notes, that's our second point. Walk by the Spirit. The, the how do we walk like Jesus? We walk by the Spirit. Now, it's a command here. Paul says you have to do this walk by the Spirit. Right? This isn't some sort of a just let go and let God. Okay, it's, that sounds great on your coffee mug, all right? It sounds great stitched on your grandma's pillow, but it's not good theology. I'm thinking of doing a whole sermon series on cross-stitch theology, all right? And we can kind of <laughs> blow them all up at once. Wouldn't that be good, right? Listen, if it were just about, hey, just throw yourself at the spirit and just lay there, it's, it's, listen, if it was all that, then why do we need a command here? Paul's saying, no, no, walk. And literally he's saying, walk and keep walking by the spirit. It's this continual call. It's this daily walk and keep walking by the Spirit. Keep pressing into the Spirit. Keep walking by the Spirit. Why? Because listen, if it was just a, hey, come on Sunday for an hour for church and that's all you need, are you kidding me? By Monday, I'm failing. Okay, it's a lie. Usually Sunday driving home, I'm like yelling at my kids. I'm like, oh man, I gotta walk by the Spirit, right? You need it daily. It's an ongoing action. Continuous call, daily life choices. There's, there's effort on our part. And yet, don't, don't miss this. The power for this effort comes from the Spirit. He says, walk by the Spirit. And when we do this, look at the result. This is great. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I mean, how awesome is that? By, by having God's spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. You know what that tells me? That says the person in the room here who's the, the newest follower of Christ, you're just figuring stuff out. You just knew you needed a savior. You showed up. You're like, man, I'm following Jesus. You have the same resource that the person who's been walking with Christ their whole life has. It's not like, well, well I, I gotta grow in this. I gotta get better at this. I gotta learn more about this. No, you have the spirit in you to walk like Jesus. How do we do it? How do we live like Jesus? How do we walk by the Spirit? What's that mean to walk by the Spirit? Ephesians 5 says it a different way where Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Same idea, walk by the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. Being filled is, it's like a sailboat sail, being filled with air. And as, as wind fills the sail, the boat moves. So we, we direct our lives in a way, where we put ourselves in a place where the Spirit fills us and directs us and moves us. How will I know if I'm doing that? How will I know if I'm filled with the Spirit? Well, the question you have to ask is, am I living like Jesus? Ephesians 5, it's a great chapter. You need to read it. Go, go home and read this afternoon where Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. And then he begins to describe what that's gonna look like. 
And the rest of chapter five and chapter six, Paul's saying, hey, be filled with the spirit and, and spirit-filled Christians are worshipers. You come to church on Sunday morning, you've already been worshiping all week, so you're ready to worship your face off. Why? Because you're filled with the Spirit. Spirit-filled Christians are loving. Spirit-filled Christians are forgiving. It goes on through chapter five and six of Ephesians. Spirit-filled Christians have a deep joy. Spirit-filled husbands and wives sacrifice and serve each other. Spirit-filled kids obey their parents. Spirit-filled parents don't hassle their kids. Are you filled? Are, are you led? Are you walking by the Spirit? I like Colossians 3.16. It gives another clue as to what walking by the Spirit looks like, where it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What's that mean? It means, it means if you want to walk by the Spirit, let the words of Christ, let God's word saturate your heart so much. That's a Spirit-filled life. So is your life different because you've, you've had Christ's word saturate your life where you go, man, the sin that I used to enjoy, I try it now and I think of like three or four verses that totally ruin it, right? And I, I can't enjoy the sin any longer. Why is it? It's the spirit in you. It's walking by the spirit. You just don't want it anymore. You're now filled with Christ. After the first service, someone came up after and said, Kai, I, I think I get what you're saying, but, but I gotta tell you something. He, I've been struggling with alcohol my whole life and God's been, God's been doing a work in me and I'm finding victory. But the last time I drank this week, it felt worse than it's ever felt before. I've never felt this pain in my heart before. What is that? I mean, that's the spirit of God, amen. Praise God, he's at work. He starts crying, saying, good, that's what I thought it was. The work of God's spirit is to point you to Jesus. So what do we do? Saturate our lives with Jesus. And if you just wanna spend the rest of your life just reading the gospels to get to know Jesus, I'm telling you, you'll walk by the spirit. But don't stop there because all of scripture points to Jesus. That's the whole work of God's spirit is to point us to Jesus. The spirit of God will continue to do that more and more. Just continue to point you to Jesus saying, see Jesus. I'm pursuing sin. No, see Jesus. But I, I'm kind of going after this because I think this will give me life. No, see Jesus. Listen, my whole goal, my hope as a preacher is that every Sunday, here's my number one goal, that you see Jesus that I can preach Jesus. When you're struggling in life, you're like, man, I gotta go talk to somebody about this. I'm gonna talk to my small group leader. Guess what they're gonna do? They're gonna point you to Jesus. So no, no, my, no my, my problem's bigger than that. I, I can't just talk to my small group leader. I gotta go see Pastor Lee and get some biblical soul care counseling. Guess what he's gonna do? He's gonna point you to Jesus. That's the life of a Christian where, where you're seeing, where you're loving, where you're submitting to Jesus. It's a, that, that's what the Christian life is. It's a daily step by step. I'm walking in step with the spirit of God. I'm submitting my life. I'm giving up my control every day. I'm waving the flag of surrender on what I'm trying to do and I'm submitting to the spirit every day. I mean, that's the Christian life. It's, it's pretty simple, but it's not easy. And why do I say it's not easy? Look at verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Why is it not easy? Because it's a battle. We're at war. 
Wait a minute, so, so it's not just rest in Jesus? Like, I, I, I like that, that let go and let God thing you're talking about. I, like, can't I just, you know, this is just this is the spirit of God. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna lay down in the spirit. I'm just gonna rest in the spirit. I, I'm not gonna be called to anything radical or I'm just gonna rest here in Jesus' arms and, and I don't have to do anything crazy. I, I'll come to church sometimes and, and I'll, I'll even serve at Harvest Kids every once in a while and, and I'll give a little bit of my, I just wanna rest here and, and hopefully as I hide out and huddle up like this that I'll get to live to an old age and then, then I'll just die peacefully and I'll meet Jesus and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's not the Christian life. It's a battle. It's us at war. It's us not not showing up for battle as a soldier and crawling into our sleeping bag and hiding out and hoping the war ends soon. No, what is it? It's, It's submission for sure. It's surrender for sure. But it's submission and surrender to Christ. It's when we submit our our flesh. It's when we surrender ourself and our our sinful tendencies. It's when we surrender our our old self to Christ. We surrender to his lordship. We surrender to his promises. We surrender to what Jesus declares who we are. And in the power of God's spirit, we then walk. We fight. We battle. Look at verse 18. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, what's Paul saying there? First of all, let's get this. We're no longer under the law, right? The law has been dealt with for the Christian. As we fight this battle, we're fighting it victoriously. Right? But it's not the law that spurs us on. It's no longer our motivation. We're not, we're not into behavior modification as Christians. It's not like if I do these outside things, I hope I can change things, right? We're no longer under the punishment of the law. As you strive to walk by the Spirit, you will fail. You will fall. But Christ has removed the penalty. If you know Christ and he's lived the perfect life you couldn't live, died in your place, taking away the penalty of sin and death, you're not under the law, but look what he says. You're led by the Spirit. If you're a Christian, you're not under the law. So then if you're a Christian, it says you're led by the Spirit. All Christians are led by the Spirit. Romans 8.14 says that everyone who's a child of God is led by the Spirit of God. All Christians are led by the Spirit. But listen, all Christians don't follow the Spirit. All Christians are led by the Spirit, but not all Christians follow the Spirit. You know, we often talk about the Christian life in, in these terms because it's a war. We talk about, are you having victory in Christ or are you living in defeat? And, and those are good terms, but I was reading a book by Jerry Bridges called Pursuit of Holiness, great book. And he says, hey, let's rearrange those terms to be a little bit more biblical. Instead of just victory and defeat, let's say what it is, obedience and disobedience. That when the Spirit leads, as you follow and walk by the Spirit, you live in victory as you live in obedience. But when you reject the Spirit's leading and guiding, you say, I'm going to live my own way, you live in defeat. The Spirit is leading. Are we following? Where's He leading you? Where's the Spirit been, been pointing out sin in your heart, in your life? Are you following? Are you walking by the Spirit? Where's the Spirit of God been been pressing in in areas of purity? Where's the Spirit of God been pressing in? Maybe it's forgiveness and you're holding on to bitterness and and God's Spirit saying, that's not what we do. 
Maybe the Spirit of God has been pressing you into community or, or maybe into mission and, and calling you to live out your faith and to, to speak up for Christ. There's a war that's waging and we battle for these things. Here's the surrender. The, the war's raging. We've just changed sides. Christ has rescued us from the enemy. He stepped in and rescued us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, but we don't get rescued just to sit around. No, we've now been rescued to fight for the other side. We now wage war against our old enemy. Against the devil, yes, but what the scripture talks about here is against the flesh. Now, what's the flesh? It's that part of you that's self-oriented. It's, it's that doorway to temptation where, where Satan's attack of sin, that's the beachhead he lands on. He lands at yourself, that, that part in you that desires everything else more than God. You see that word used over and over again in the text. He keeps saying the desires of the flesh, the desires of the spirit. The, what he's saying here, it's those things that you want, that you crave, that you need and when our heart is looking for hope and meaning and purpose outside of Christ, that's our flesh. And every sin can be traced back to here. When there's a sin you struggle with, the question we need to ask is, okay, what's the, what's the want? What's the desire behind this sin? What am I looking to fulfill in this sin? Because when you start to pursue those desires, the flesh starts to produce works of the flesh. Paul lists some here. Look at verse 19. Here's what walking in the flesh will look like. Now the works of the flesh are evident. He says they're gonna be obvious to everybody. Everyone looking in will see them. You'll know them yourself. These are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry and sorcery. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And then he says, and, and things like these. I like how Paul ends that. He says, it's, it's things like these. Right? This isn't Paul giving a list. It's not like, here's the list of sins of the flesh. Because listen, the little legalist that lives in each one of us so desperately wants a list. Like, Pastor Kai, give me the list. Like we, we want this to be, okay, those are the 15 things. If I avoid those 15 things, I'm going, ooh, that looks like it's pretty sensual. I'll avoid that. Now I'm walking in the spirit. No, Paul's like, no, no, no. It's not a, just a list. It's, it's things like these things. And you'll know it. It's going to be evident. And Paul, Paul basically, he's laying out some categories. You go, listen, the flesh will, will show itself in, in sexual sins. It'll show itself in religion. It'll show itself in broken relationship. It'll show itself in addictions. And we're walking out of step with the Spirit. We have these unmet desires. And instead of walking by the Spirit, we pursue other ways to meet these desires. We look into ourselves to figure it out. And, and so again, you see the sin. I mean, and, and look for that unmet desire behind it. What we call an idol. And so Paul lays out sexual sins. He goes, here's some sexual sins. It's, it's what are we doing? We're taking this gift of sex because sex isn't a sin. God gave it to us as this amazing gift Right? used in a way that God intended to be used. And then our flesh takes it and twists it and takes this gift that was supposed to be a gift where we give an act of giving to our spouse and it becomes a selfish thing. And that's all pornography is. 
It's taking a gift that was supposed to be a gift given. It's us just selfishly taking it for us. We look to sexual, to sexual sin to fill our desire. We look to religion. He says idolatry and sorcery. Idolatry, just worshiping things other than God, just saying, this is gonna help me more than God. Well, I'm grabbing a hold of this sorcery. It's manipulating God. If I do these things, God has to bless me. If I pray a certain way, God's gotta fulfill that prayer request. If, if I speak in tongues, if I fast, if I do all these works, God, you would better step up. And when God doesn't, listen, when we do all, God, I worked my fingers to the bone for you. We're filled with anger. You think of things like worry and anxiety. What is that? It's us saying, I know better than God. And things aren't turning out the way that I think they should. And I'm the creator of all that. I should be the one in charge. And when they don't go the way, we're filled with worry and anxiety. God, what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. We look to religious things. We, we, the flesh brings broken relationships. Look at the list he gives. Enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. All of these things find at their root an unmet desire. And so anger's produced. Why didn't you fulfill this need for me? Jealousy comes. We fight each other. We gossip about each other. We get divorced. We leave churches. We end friendships. And finally, Paul lays out, it's also seen in addictions. Drunkenness and partying. And it's, it's not that just that we have a drink. It's that we can't stop drinking. It's, it's not just that we have conversations. It's that we gossip. It's, it's not just that we spend money. It's that we, we're so engulfed with needing more and more. We buy ourselves into debt. And, and all of this is a cycle of addiction. It's us trying to fill this need. And we can't get enough food. We can't get enough sex. We can't get enough friends or money or fame or power or pleasure All of this is when we stop fighting in the spirit. We give in to the flesh. See, there's, there's not much fighting when we're falling into sin. The, the opposite of, of fighting in the spirit, not typically is not I'm fighting in the flesh. The opposite is usually apathy, indifference. We just don't care. We just stop fighting. It's been said this way, it's, it's, it's walking in the spirit. It's like running up a down escalator. Do you ever do that as a kid? I still do. I love going to the city, going to the mall. Run when they get right. And what happens? So you're running up the down. When you stop, when you're indifferent, when you just stop moving, do you stop? No, you start going down, don't you? I mean, that, that, that's the Christian life. It's a great example of Christian life. We continue to fight in the spirit. But here's the great thing. Look at verse 17 again. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. So we're, we're being fought against by the flesh. We have to fight against the flesh. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. I love that. That's saying the spirit of God in you is at war against the flesh on your behalf. The spirit of God fights for you. Now, what are the ways the spirit fights for us? One of the ways the spirit fights the flesh for us is by conviction, is by revealing sin. I mean, think about it this way, the definition we've been using of the gospel, and Tim Keller used it, I've quoted it so much, you probably got it memorized. The, the gospel is that we're more sinful than we'd ever care to admit. 
and we're more loved than we'd ever dare imagine. I mean, that's the gospel. We're more sinful than we'd ever care to admit. We can't lose that part of the gospel. People say, oh, don't, don't talk about sin. No, 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 we're, we're whole in Christ. We've been forgiven, we're loved, we're a child of the king. Don't talk about sin because we're saints. It's true we are saints. That's our identity for sure. But if we lose this part, we lose the gospel. The spirit is at work saying, no, 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 don't let this stay in your heart. Don't let this stay in your life. When the spirit presses in on sin, that's a good thing. When you feel conviction, that's a good thing. Now, now what Satan does, he takes that conviction and moves it to shame, doesn't he? he? He's the accuser of the brethren, it says. So he tempts you, and then immediately when you fall in sin, he goes, oh, look at you. You call yourself a Christian. Listen, that's condemnation. That's not the spirit of God. That's a lie from the devil. Christ brings forgiveness and redemption and hope, but the spirit also speaks conviction, saying, listen, here's your sin. Don't stay in it. That's good. Well, when a person lovingly, and I say lovingly, when a person lovingly comes alongside you to point out sin in your life, listen, they're not being judgmental. They're partnering with the spirit of God. It's an act of love that they're doing this. The Spirit shines light on our sins so we see the need to run to our Savior. It's not a loving thing to avoid sin. It's not loving. If somebody's house is on fire and they're asleep in the house, it's ridiculous for us to think, you know what, I don't want to wake them up. It'd be so rude. I don't want to offend them and shake them out of their sleep. They're sleeping so peacefully. Just let them know. What do you do? You run in the house. You go, you got to get up. There's a fire. You got to get out of here. Why? Because you love them. Listen, if someone's walking in sin, isn't it the most loving thing to come alongside as a brother and a sister and go, hey, by the power of the Spirit, let's walk in a different way. Spirit shines light on our sin so we can run to the Savior. And here's something I've seen time and time and time again. It's those who are so close to the gospel, those who, who come out of such a broken life of sin. And I know there's people here in the room right now. You're like, man, that is me. If you knew the shame and the guilt and the choices I made so that whenever I preach about sin, you start to weep. But whenever I preach about the gospel, you start to weep. You understand the gospel. You say, but I feel like, like when you preach sin, I'm like, man, how could I have done this to my Savior? Listen, I wish more people would recognize that, oh no, but I'm a good Christian. No, we're not. We're more sinful than we'd ever care to admit. When somebody preaches about sin, it should cause us to weep. But we don't stay there. We move to the second part of the gospel. We weep that Jesus loves us and he forgave us. So the Spirit points light on our sins. We run to the Savior. My, my prayer is that right now, the Spirit will be pressing in. That even right now, there are areas in your life and maybe there's areas where you stop fighting. Maybe you've been so discouraged because the fight's been so hard, like I give up. I'm not fighting anymore. Maybe you find yourself apathetic in your walk with Christ, even right now. Listen, don't stop fighting. We need to fight. 
What's that fight look like? Well, in any battle, there's gonna be defense and offense, right? There's gonna be a defensive strategy. What's that mean? That means we need to defend ourselves. Are, are there areas in your life where you need to put up a defense? There are things you need to cut out of your life. I'm not talking about legalism here. I love how Paul says it. Listen, you are free to do whatever you want, but not everything's beneficial. In your freedom, you can get yourself back in jail pretty quickly. Are there things you need to defend your heart? I love seeing guys, and you might see it around, there's, there's, there's guys in our church who are rocking a flip phone, right? It's not that they're Luddites. It's not that they don't know that there's new technology out there. There's some guys who are like, you know what? I don't want a smartphone. And the temptation that brings to just pour pornography into my life, and I just want a phone that has just numbers on it. I'm grabbing a flip phone. I mean, that's great. That's called a defense. That's what I'm saying. You know what? There's something more valuable. My heart is more valuable than being able to read email on my phone. Is there a defense you Maybe for you, maybe it's Facebook. There's nothing wrong with Facebook, but you're looking to go, man, I'm wasting so much time in this. I, I'm being wrapped up with so much jealousy and envy as I see other people's lives. They're fake lives because nobody puts their real lives on Facebook, on Facebook, right? Maybe it's pride. And you just, I want people to like my posts. I want, maybe you need to put up a defense. Maybe it's some entertainment that you're involved in. Maybe movies you watch and you're like, man, those movies aren't wrong for everybody, but for me, I just need to put up some defense against that because there's stuff in there that's drawing my heart into places I shouldn't be drawn into. There's things happening where I'm being entertained by the very things that Christ died for and I don't want that in my life. So I'm gonna put up a defense on that. One pastor I was listening to said it this way, a defense against the flesh is to starve it to death. That's a great defense. So you know what? I'm not feeding this anymore. Defense. There's also an offense. Remember the, the offense, as we step out, we're walking what? By the power of the spirit. That's the power in us. Okay, so, but it's a little bit like farming where we're not gonna cause the fruit of the spirit to grow. A farmer doesn't cause anything to grow, but the farmer works hard, right? Plows the field, plants the seeds, digs up the weed, the weeds, right? So, so you're gonna work hard by the power of the spirit, but then God's gonna produce in you the fruit of the spirit. How do we do that? Paul says in Romans, we kill the flesh. I mean, that's violent war language, you don't just, I'll just, I'll just work with it. I'll just try to adjust my flesh. I'll just, I'll just try to just manipulate it maybe a little bit. I think I can, no, you put it to death. You don't invite it in at all. James, in the book of James, it says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But here's the thing, one punch of the devil doesn't mean he'll just flee right away. You may have to punch a second time and a third time. You may have to kick and headbutt, right? You, you may have to put everything into the fight, but I'm telling you, in the power of the spirit as you fight, the devil will flee. There will be victory. Finally, look at, look at verse 21, though, where Paul takes all this. The end of verse 21, after he lists the, the works of the flesh, he says, I warn you as I warned you before. So obviously Paul had talked about this to the churches before that he was planting Galatia. He goes, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, that's a scary verse, isn't it? Isn't that one of those verses you're like, man, can we just go past that one? Can we get back to love and grace and Jesus stuff? Can we, can we not talk about what, he said, if this is what your life looks like, if you continue in this lifestyle, 
He, he's not saying the, the word there where he says you do these things. It doesn't mean like a, a one time, but man, man I, I slip in a lot of those things. Does that mean I'm not a follower of Christ? No, he's saying if it's a pattern of your life, this habitual pursuit of them, a desiring them, a, it's a character of your walk where you would look at your life and go, this describes my life. Listen, listen to the power of this verse. You may not know Jesus. If that's the pattern of your life, this, this characterized life lived out in the flesh where, where there's no restraint, there is no conviction, there, there is no turning, there, there is no listening to the word. When brothers and sisters come alongside, you push them away and say, I don't want you to speak into this. If you find yourself like this, listen to what he says. He goes, you will not inherit the kingdom. You're not living how a kingdom person lives. Listen, or at the very least, you're a follower of Jesus Christ who has a huge hole in your gospel. The answer this morning, listen, if you find yourself in either of these two categories, the answer this morning is the same. Pursue Jesus. If you find your heart so wrapped up and you've pursued those things so much, the answer is get to Jesus. If, if you, you think, I don't even know if I know Christ, pursue Jesus, walk by the Spirit. And if the Spirit's pressing in on you right now, pay attention to the Spirit. The Spirit of God will use, use so many different ways. For sure the Word but there are other ways the Spirit will maybe take a sermon or, or somebody's words they say to you or, or just begin to speak in your heart and remind you of things that you know. And, and I kind of look at it this way. The Spirit's working every way he can. You ever drive your car and you're going through like a place where there's a, a sign for the speed limit and under the sign there's that, that number thing that actually tells you what your speed is, right? At first I thought it's a game. Let's see how big we can get this number, right? But it's not, right? It's this thing that you're like, but I've, I've, I've got that thing in my car. Don't they know I've got a speedometer? Why there too? Because they're trying to remind you. They're trying to say, hey, hey, pay attention. Change your speed. The Spirit of God is gonna be speaking into your life saying, hey, hey, Maybe this morning, maybe it's been a while and you know the Spirit's been pressing in. What do we do with it? Well, here's our application this morning, our last point for taking notes, respond to the Spirit's leading. Walk by the Spirit, find freedom in the Spirit, respond to where the Spirit is leading. Verse 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Be, follow the Spirit's leading. And, and what's that look like? Again, find Jesus. Meet Jesus this morning. Again, just take this stuff to Christ. I, I love the story of Paul, the one who writes this letter to the Galatians. He meets Jesus and what happens? His whole life is changed. Because it's true, you, you think through these things that the Spirit's been pressing you, but I've been trying to change this, I've been trying to work through this, I've been trying to live, it's by the power of the Spirit. It's only Jesus can change you. And you can live in victory rather than defeat. As the worst team comes up this morning, here's the thing. When, when Paul met Christ, Jesus didn't leave him there. Where did he say? He said, Paul, get up and go into the city and you'll be told what to do. And I believe that this morning, there are people here this morning where Jesus is saying to you, get up, 
Get up, step out, stop producing works of the flesh. Walk in the spirit so the spirit can produce life in you. Get up out of the flesh. Jesus, get up and walk. I mean, if you're feeling a spirit pressing in on you this morning and, and, and maybe it's pressing in to, so you can move past that, that issue you've been dealing with, maybe it's that habit you've been struggling with, that, that sin that's been entangling you, that attitude you, you've been holding on to. There's a struggle that you're having. Listen, as the spirit presses in, it's not condemnation, it's a rescue. He's saying, get up and go. Get up. If if you need to confess your sin, get up and confess your sin. James, the book of James says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. There's freedom. And if if you need counseling, seek it out. Talk to your small group leader. Get some counsel. Listen, he says, go. And I love what he says. He says to Paul, get up and go. But he's already talked to Ananias. said, hey, Ananias, this guy Saul's gonna come to you. He's gonna come to the church. He's gonna need help. And you're gonna embrace him as a brother in Christ. And I can imagine Ananias going, really? Saul. Jesus, you know who Saul is, right? Like, like he's not just saying mean things about us on Facebook. Like, he's killing us. He's throwing us in jail. And yet Paul comes and he's embraced by the church. My prayer is that our church would be filled with Ananiases. Where broken people, where religious people can come and be embraced by the grace of God. Listen, the, the prodigal son and the older son were both pursued by the father. May we be a church that embraces both. Where people can come, they can see grace lived out. They can see there is hope. We can point them to Jesus. And so as we sing today, listen, today is the day. Today's the day we say, I'm not living in the flesh any longer. Today's the day we say, listen, I'm going to be done with that pornography. Today's the day we say, my broken marriage, I'm not living in apathy in it anymore. I'm going to pursue my spouse. Today's the day where the anxiety isn't going to take over my entire life. Today's the day where that anger isn't going to own me any longer. Today's the day where that fear is going to be dealt with. And listen, things won't change immediately. Right, we're, we're not like pizza pockets put in a microwave, boom, we're changed, we're done, we're good. No, the Bible says that we grow as we walk by the Spirit. We grow like what? Like babies. We grow like trees planted by living waters. There'll be a slow growth. And it, it may not be fast, it might be fast, but listen, the Spirit will begin the work in you today as you start the work by standing up and saying, I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm fighting this morning. I'm following the leading of the Spirit. This morning, my prayer is the Spirit has shone light on your sin and then a light on Jesus. Because the whole purpose, the whole goal of the Spirit of God is to point you to Jesus and, and to point you to the beauty of Jesus. Hey, hey, the whole reason you don't need to be more self-controlled, the, the whole reason you don't have love, the whole reason you, you don't have have purity, the whole reason that you're stuck in worry, the whole reason is that you don't see how beautiful Jesus is. And the Spirit's saying, see him. Stop looking to your flesh that only creates more hurt and pain and sin. Instead, resist and fight and confess and look to Jesus. Allow the Spirit to grow good fruit. 
The Spirit is leading. That's a promise from Scripture. So right now, I, I wanna give you an opportunity as we sing. So I can ask you to stand as we, as we get ready to sing. And, and this morning, as we, as we begin to sing out, here's what I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do. Maybe this morning God's been at work and I, I, I don't want to go through a list in case I, I say something that you're like, well, I guess it's not me that the Spirit's talking about. But listen, if there's sin and you know it's been there too long, if there are relationships that are damaged, if your marriage is cold and you need the Spirit, if there's an addiction in your life, if, if you've been called to mission and you're too fearful to step out for Christ, listen, here's what I want you to do this morning. Throw the first punch. Throw the first punch. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. And here, here's the first punch thrown. Maybe this morning you need to step out. Maybe this morning you just say, you know what? I want to humble myself before God and even before my brothers and sisters. I want to come forward on my knees and say, I'm done with this. I want to walk by the Spirit. May the Spirit's been pressing in on you and you feel that, that urge in your spirit and saying, this is you. This is it. This is now. The first move is humility. Where you humble yourself. Where you surrender yourself to Christ. Book of James says, when you humble yourself in God's timing, he will lift you up. It begins with humility. Maybe this morning, as you stand, you say, listen, I'm done. I'm throwing the first punch to kill this sin, to surrender to Christ. Don't let this moment pass. Let me pray for you. And after I'm done praying, we're gonna begin to sing. And I'd ask that you would come. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you for your grace. Father, I thank you that you're at work even right now, God, that your spirit is at work in this room. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do your work of conviction. You would press in on hearts, Lord, where we're walking in the flesh, that you would reveal that so we can find forgiveness and bring it to you and, and recognize that it's been taken care of. Father, for those here this morning, you're saying, I'm walking by the Spirit. I'm living in victory. God, would you raise up in their hearts, the hearts to pray for the rest of those in the room. that we'd be able to find that where you are, Christ, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we could experience freedom this morning. And that would begin as we humble ourselves before you and say, I'm done with this. I'm done with this sin. I'm done with this struggle in my marriage. And I, I want to humble myself and even, even before my spouse and say, can we go forward and just get on our knees? And I'm not promising anything, but I'm going to promise I'm humbling myself before the Lord this morning so he can begin to do that work of fighting the flesh in me. Lord God, make that happen this morning, that we begin the fight today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.